When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, hello, everyone. I am back. I am Matt Williamson. Follow me on X at Williamson NFL. Drop me a line whenever. I will be working on an article shortly for the website this week. Hope everyone enjoys their Thanksgiving week. A little bit different for me, obviously. I'm squ- you know squashing several days of work into three so that I can enjoy Thursday, although I will, of course, watch every game on Thursday. So I've got more notes from Steelers-Browns, most of which you probably won't love. But hey, there you have it. So how about this? I think we would have taken all this if on Friday I grabbed you and said, if I could tell you all these things were true, you'd probably say, I'm in. Steelers win, right? Steelers rushed for 172 yards. They won the turnover battle. Not only that, they didn't turn the ball over once, the Steelers. They limited the the Browns to just 259 total yards and one touchdown. You'd take that, right? All that stuff happened. So some of that's good. Rushed for 172. Wasn't all just on that one run either. Did win the turnover battle. But obviously the Steelers passing game did not do their part of the equation. And a lot of that had to do with the Browns. I mean, re-watching this, boy, that Browns D is really good. Trust me, I am not excusing what we saw from the Steelers passing game. I mean, every facet of it was bad. I don't know if the receivers were bad. I don't even know if they had a chance to be bad or good. But okay, we'll move on to the next bullet point here. The next-gen stat of the game was Miles Garrett generated a game-high four pressures and two sacks on just 25 pass rushes. All four pressures came against left tackle Dan Moore Jr. I also think that there's been this misnomer that because Miles Garrett hasn't equaled Watts production in these head-to-head matchups, which is almost impossible to do, that he has not been a major thorn in the Steelers' side. He's more like a broadsword in your side, not a thorn. He's a superstar. He's probably the best defensive player on the planet right this second in line for defensive player of the year. He's certainly in the top five conversation. And I also don't think that there should be a misnomer that, oh, plucky Dan Moore's done a pretty good job against Miles Garrett over the years. Uh, I mean, I guess if you're putting it into context as a below average left tackle against a total superstar, yeah, he's done fine, but has not been a fair fight. 
It was not anywhere close to a fair fight this past Sunday. Miles Garrett wreaked havoc. Again, four pressures and two sacks on 25 pass rushes. His two sacks took him up to 13 on the year. Watt's one sack took him to 11-5. So, just a little nugget there, just in this sack race. Uh, Daniel Hunter from the Vikings, I think, still leads. I, I jotted this down before the Vikings game last night, but he's having a great year as well. One thing I didn't talk about enough yesterday that I should have, and it's very important for this team, is when I go through my stats and stuff for the week, I don't think I can brush off Steelers starting field position and opponents starting field position. The Steelers greatly lost the field position battle in this game. You know, greatly. I mean, and to me, that's as big a factor. And there's field positions interesting to me. I mean, field positions kind of a chicken or egg thing. Well, it's not like we can always control where the opponents, you know, if you're bad in the kicking game, if you can't get first downs, you're going to lose a field position game. I mean, it's usually a symptom of the illness, not necessarily the illness itself. Like, it's an easy thing to say, we need to get better in starting field position. Well, how do you do that? You don't just magically say, you know, rub the rub the lamp and all of a sudden you're better at it. But that was a huge aspect to this game. And what you knew was going to be a rock fight, what you knew was going to be difficult to come up with any sort of um, advantages, you know, when you had the football, that losing the field position battle was a massive component here. So they were plus one in turnover differential. And there weren't any outlying ones, missed field goals, blown fourth uh, down opportunities. But I wonder, I'm not saying that the answer to this is yes or no, is plus one in the turnover battle enough for this Steelers team against an average to great team? You know, a top 12 team, a playoff team, which I think the Browns are. I mean, they're a playoff team. They're an above average team. They're not the Giants, that's for sure. Is plus one enough? If it's not, they got big, big, big problems. <laughs> I mean, when it comes down to it, if that's the bottom line. Um, Steelers defensive front. Now, I think there's some extenuating circumstances for this, but I would say this was the second game in a row where that front, by their standards, not just by any Joe Blow average standards, was underwhelming. Now, I do think this is true against Love and against, definitely against DTR, that they did not, that their pass rush plan involved not letting him get out of the pocket and beat you with his legs, certainly against DTR, but also against Love. Told you yesterday, the ball came out insanely quick in this Browns game, too, that when it's coming out in 2.1 seconds, you can almost leave the ends unblocked and they won't get home. But... Considering how good Highsmith, Watt, Benton, Ogunjobi, Hayward, and what you've invested in them, I would still say, and no one will ever blame these guys, but not enough big plays, not enough splash from your defensive front two games in a row. And considering the status of their back seven, they really need it and haven't gotten it now for two games in a row. Just throwing it out there. I mean, I think that that's fair to be honest with you. 
All right, I'll be back. I got a bunch more of these, um, just a, random things to talk up, talk about. All right, we're back at it. I gave Alan and Roberts a thumbs up yesterday. Should have been two or three thumbs up. I mean, so I'll make sure I don't sell him short. I always am hesitant to react to a tackle box score. But he had 15 tackles in this game. I mean, whether he got, you know, tackles are a very subjective stat. Eh, I'll give him another tackle. Give him a half tackle. But whatever. Even if he's in that neighborhood, if it was only 12. And he had two tackles for loss, which I do believe. But watching the game, he passed the sniff test. I mean, I really worried about him as an every down linebacker. I'm still worried, you know, but he played a whale of a game. He was great versus the run, more than adequate against the pass, made plays, you know. So, I mean, think about last year's crew. I mean, they would have killed for a guy to have two tackles for loss and 15 tackles in a game. So, double thumbs up for Roberts. I only gave him one thumbs up yesterday. So that's promising at a worrisome position, a position in flux, obviously. I'm not worried about Joey Porter Jr., but it was a tough day versus Amari Cooper in particular. And Amari Cooper's better than I give him credit for. I always tend to sell him short, but he is a professional high-end route runner that was the fifth pick in the draft way back when and has a million yards in the league and is still really good. So that's a tough, tough assignment for Porter, but he got the he got the worst of it. I mean, there's there's no doubt in my mind that if it, when I watch the all twenty two, if I watch every snap, just Porter versus Amari, Amari won that boxing match. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Again, that doesn't worry me all that much, to be honest with you. Now we got some Kenny Pickett stuff, none of which is good. His longest completion of this day was fourteen yards. That was despite some blitzing. I mean, that didn't make them pay ever. I mean, I don't even care what the reasoning is, to be honest with you, but your longest completion of the day is 14 yards. That's horrendous. You know, for him, it's horrendous for the passing game. It's horrendous for protection. But watching the game live, I don't think I ever said, whoa, nice throw from Kenny, you know? Oh, wow. Nice throw. Ah, I dropped it. Maybe once, you know, but not many. I mean, how many nice throws did he have? Not many. Not many. There was also, in his defense, a little, well, I don't know if, who's to blame, but I think that it's fact after rewatching it and watching it live. There were a lot of communications between quarterback and pass catchers. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Is, I'm sure crowd noise had something to do with it, but that's something you got to deal with in the NFL. Was it not getting plays in as much as you'd like? Is it not? I thought it was more of route adjustments. I think you're going in and you go out. Who's right? Who's wrong? So obviously those are going to be completions, even if Kenny's only – to blame for one out of three of those. It makes him look worse than he was. But they need fixed. 
I, I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. I mean, if they exist, you're not going to get first downs. You're not going to get completions. But there was a lot of that in this game. So there was also a lot of talk, I guess, post-game with the media. You know, we were, and then Kenny said it, you know, we were a little shocked how much zone they played. I mean, as I told you guys last week, the Browns are a very heavy man team. They're a very heavy single high team. Okay. I mean, so they threw some things at you you didn't expect. Fine. But I dug these up today. The, the Browns had played man coverage more than 50, 55% of the time before this week, but played zone on just under 58% of their dropbacks against Pittsburgh, their second highest zone rate of the season. Okay, but it wasn't like it was 95% or you've never seen zone coverage in your life. So, and frankly, I think they just said, why would we bother playing man? Because we don't trust you guys to beat our man coverage for big plays. You know, why would we risk giving up a big play? Because we don't trust you to matriculate the ball down the field versus zone. And when this, the Browns did play man, which apparently that's what they were expecting, Kenny was 5 of 12 for 21 yards and two sacks. Wasn't like they did well against man. I mentioned yesterday, boy, the screen game was ugly. So I, Bill Barnwell wrote this today. He said, the average team gains about five yards per screenplay. Pickett is getting, and that's, he, he blames Pickett for that. I'm not blaming Pickett for the screen game. The Steelers are picking up 3.5 yards per play on any type of screen as opposed to five yards per play. And has only one first down in the screen game. His nine Pickett's 9.1 QBR on screens ranks 30th. Now, I'm not implying Kenny's bad about it running screens. He stinks. I'm just saying their screen game stinks. What about play action, Barnwell writes? Pick, again, Pickett doesn't get much help. He's completing more than 76% of his play action attempts. But those throws are only generating 7.2 yards per attempt, which is 22nd. He's solid when he gets the ball out quick, but when he's asked to improvise, this offense doesn't work together or seem to have a solid plan to create completions. His 29.3 QBR when he holds the ball for more than 2.5 seconds is 31st ahead of only Daniel Jones. Now, I should have mentioned this article because... Barnwell's writing about coaches on the hot seat, and he writes up two coordinators as well, Matt Canada and LaFleur with the Jets. So he's citing picket numbers, but the nature of the article is the offense is broken. It's a pretty good way to back it up. I mean, blame whoever you want, but I've been saying all alone, I don't understand one bit how they don't run more play action. I mean, especially these last couple of weeks when you're running the ball well. Um, so here's some good stuff. That's three consecutive games with at least 172 rushing yards by the Steelers. And their output on the ground in this game was more than Cleveland had allowed in a single game all year. Again, great defense. The Browns are allowing 91.6 rushing yards per game. Steelers ran for 172. Now I will say 
their blitz is, I mentioned this yesterday, but just want to reiterate, Steelers blitz pickup pass protection slash pass protection was horrific. I mean, horrific. It was as bad as any facet of this entire game, if not the worst thing about it. They ran several of the same blitzes where they would drop their ends and bring a linebacker up the middle. Steelers couldn't figure it out. They'd bring overload blitzes that are basically just disrespecting the Steelers. We're going to bring the house and you can't do a thing about it. They really showed zero respect for the Steelers' pass protection as a whole. You know, we know we're better than you. We can toy with you like a cat with a mouse. So here's some offensive snap stuff. They ran 58 snaps. The receivers, Pickens at 53, Johnson at 49. He's back to a full-time role. Robinson at 45, Austin only 10, Boykin was 7. Tight ends, Fryermuth at 31, still only 31. Washington at 27, Hayward at 8. The running back snaps went 33 to Harris, 26 for Warren. And to break that down further, early downs, first and second down, Harris got 26 snaps compared to 13 for Warren. I think it's obvious that needs to be 50-50, I mean, early down stuff. But as you'd expect, the third down stuff did favor Warren, but not drastically, just 7-4 to four in Warren's favor. The Steelers collectively ran, th- there was 33 opportunities to run a route in this game. There was 33 plays where it was a pass play called. You could go out on a route. Fryermuth only ran a route 14 times out of 33. So he was either blocking or not in the game for, what, 19 of those 33 opportunities. Like, feels like they don't really have any interest in featuring him, is what it feels like to me, which I don't understand at all. Um, Last nugget, you probably don't give a crap about this, but Kareem Hunt took 15 of 16 possible snaps in the fourth quarter. He was their closer, or he was the one they trusted the most in two-minute as well. So that was the only little nugget I had on the Browns. Offensive snap counts, if anybody cares. But not good. Um, it's only one loss, but of course it's divisional and it's conference. And one side of the ball was not pretty at all. Uh, and there's just no way around that. Well, the passing game. The passing game was just not pretty at all. So, uh, no candy coat in that. Over and out. Over and out.